prison and half can Oh God! Daddy, stay on your bike! Dirty! burning and you don't want to turn around anymore and you know if somebody now attacks you're gonna be like blown out of the water but you just go no I just keep going just keep going tied on the inside it's this solo on the barriers Penis again just showing himself he's found space but not seem to exist but Luce is there oh my goodness he's gone and done it again oh what about that now then everybody I am Tom Ramsey and welcome to the Edge Coaching Podcast the Edge is a performance cycling company based in East Yorkshire and it is my greatest pleasure to have you listening to me today whether you're currently out riding your bike in the lanes or simply on your commute to work in the car. This podcast will provide a clear insight into the world of athletic performance and help provide a clear relatable understanding into subject areas revolving training, nutrition, stress, psychology and much much more. Every single podcast that I do will also feature a Q&A section too and you can submit these questions by sending me a message on any of my social media channels. Without further ado, let's begin. Hello everybody and welcome to the Edge Coaching Podcast episode number 13. Today we will be delving into areas of sports psychology again, specifically areas revolving self-confidence, self-doubt and nervousness. Now this podcast um, came from basically a question that somebody put out on my Instagram stories uh, about a week ago now. Um, I just asked for some uh, podcast topic ideas and this person... um, asked a few questions revolving this um, and there was another few questions that were asked about a similar concept as well so it's clearly an area that some of you are interested in and some of you would like to hear my take on and and yeah just to kind of delve into a little bit the research and and have a chat about Um, I'll be having a guest speaker on again today which is uh, Simon Taylor again Um, now uh getting him on is becoming quite regular the reason for that is because me and simon are really good friends um he is very well educated in the subject of sports psychology and can help me out a lot there but also he enjoys doing the podcast and we can have a good chat about it all um also logistically it works well um and um technically it works well because simon's got a really good mic at his end and obviously, in current climate, with um, lockdown measures, um, social distancing measures, I can't invite people to come into my house or my office and do podcasts under one mic. So uh, the reason I keep asking Simon to come on the podcast is that he's got a good mic at home and we can maintain the quality of the audio for you um, through Zoom calls, which is what how we've been doing it. Um, when lockdown measures ease, I will have some other um, clients, other uh, people, other special guests to come onto the podcast and we'll be able to share my mic in my office. Um, but yeah, I'm not up for doing podcasts where you can't hear very well because it's all muffled and such. So I'm sure you understand. Um, before I invite Simon onto the podcast, just a little update. Um, well, a little intro, I guess, into setting the scene. Today is Wednesday, the 7th of April. 
Um, it is just before five o'clock. Uh, the reason for that is that at five o'clock I'll be meeting with Simon on Zoom. Um, it's five o'clock in the evening, that is. So um, basically, yeah, bit of an update. Um, I am now uh, seven, just over seven weeks into having my first child. Um, and yeah, I won't lie, it's been very tough but absolutely incredible as well um my last podcast we talked a lot about this and and i'd kind of uh, talked about the whole experience and and the whole reasoning and the whole um everything behind millie's life um and uh so so yeah i won't go into too much of the detail but yeah it's it's been an incredible few weeks I'm in a very privileged position to be working from home a lot of the time at the minute because I can watch Millie develop and, and grow. Um, so, yeah, it's been a very, very special time and, and she's absolutely wonderful. Um, the flip side of that is that, yeah, my sleep is very compromised and I'm a very tired individual right now. Um, as I'm sure all you parents that are listening will understand, um, from what I've heard, especially the first few weeks, it's very intense, um, you know, babies just want to either sleep or eat or shit <laughs> and uh, um, yeah obviously Becky and I have been sharing that workload a little bit during the evening of the feeds and the nappy changes um, to try and optimize our sleep between us as much as we possibly can. Um, having said all that I am still trying to train and um, keep on top of my cycling performance as, as best I can um i did have some thoughts kind of early on in the year or later on last year that i would kind of completely sack this year off and just just essentially stay fit because i enjoy keeping fit and then i soon realized that i actually really enjoy competition and and pushing my body to performance uh too much for that and um as sad as it sounds it's part of my business anyway to keep me up to scratch and keep me at events and performing in events so Basically, I'm just trying to keep um, my performance as high as I possibly can without compromising Millie's development, Millie's life, and Becky's health as well. Um, and that's a fine balance. Basically, what it means is that, um, yeah, I have to cut my training hours down a lot to what I'd like to do. Um, so, you know, a simple example is rather than going out on a bike for four hours while Becky's having to um, look after Millie or when when I could be working, um, I'm cutting that down to shorter, sharper sessions. And the type of racing that I do, that doesn't matter too much anyway because I don't need huge, huge endurance for um, short, sharp crit races and uh, short, sharp cyclocross races and a few mountain bike races. Um, so that's not too much of a concern, um, but yeah, it's still going to hamper my performance because I can't get in those longer sessions. Um, I've got to consider that my first race of the season is this weekend, um, and that's just a bit of a laugh, really. It's a bit of a, a bit of a see where I'm at, a bit of a, um, you know, um, I think that first race of the season is always a bit of a shock to the system and it's important that that first race of the season isn't too, something too important. It's actually a cyclocross race. Um, the uh, Northwest Cross Series have been putting on some events and they had to cancel some of them through winter, so they've put them on in April instead. Um, 
and yeah i've not done one yet so i'm just gonna um obviously i used to race cross a lot um, a few years ago so i'm gonna go back go down there and uh it's actually a two hour drive to get there but um i'm gonna go over and uh and yeah put on a good show for myself because i haven't done any of the races for a long time through that um that organization i'm actually gridded near last <laughs> um i think of, uh, no matter how i can't remember how many races um riders there are on the start grid i think it's about 30 or 40 but i am literally within like the first the last to start or the last on the grid um so i'm not expecting anything amazing results wise and i've seen the results sh the uh, start sheet and there's some you know bloody good races on there um but i'm going to give as much out of it as i can i'm going to push my body as hard as i can and i'm going to race as well as i can because i want to get the most out of myself as i can and uh as long as i race as hard as i can and i race well then i'll be coming back with a smile on my face i can't expect a top five i don't think um i'd be very 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 lucky to get inside the top i mean with cyclocross the starts are very important and uh, I think if I was on the front grid and I started in the top 10, I think I could potentially finish in the top 10. Um, but with that start as well, everything considered, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. I think I'll be lucky to get inside the top 20, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, one thing that's for sure is that, um, you know, racing forward is very, very fun. So, um, you know, the although i'm not going to be at the same level of performance as the guys in the top 10 um you know i'd like to say that i'm a lot quicker and faster than a lot of the guys that will be in front of me so that the fact that i'm having to start on the last row of the grid and having to try and race forward will be very very um exciting it'll be it'll be good um to try and you know get through the pack and it'll make me race hard so that's that's going to be good um so yeah so that'll be a bit of a shock to the system uh because uh because yeah, as much as when I jump on the Watt bike or I jump on the road doing training sessions, you know, my numbers are good, um, or the numbers are okay. Um, there's nothing quite like racing. And yeah, that's gonna take out that extra five, ten percent of my capabilities, which I think I need right now, to be honest. Um but yeah, for a lot of you listening to this podcast, you know, you'll have races on the season now. Um it's looking really positive. You know, there's been a massive shift in the past couple of weeks where We've started to see event organizers putting on events now and planning for events. So it's looking really, really promising. And, and um, if you're anything like me, I think you're, you'll be quite keen to get started now. And uh, it's absolutely great to see this. Um, you know, with all the precautions in place, of, of, of course, and we need to be really, really careful to, to um, not get too lax and, um, and stick to the guidelines when it comes to racing. But um but yeah it's it's time now for sure so as i sit um in the bay window in my kind of dining room um where i've got a bit of an office kind of set up um i can smell my evening meal uh coming through the the door becky is currently on with making tea i believe we're having a like a chorizo chicken risotto with some roast veg um, and it smells absolutely wonderful. So um, that will be ready for me in about an hour and a half. So um, I'm keen to crack on with the podcast. Um, let's invite Simon onto the podcast now. 
Simon, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tom. How's it going? Would you like to, I know some of some people, some listeners will have already uh, listened to you on some of my podcasts, but would you, for those of you who don't know Simon, would you like to give a quick intro, Simon? Yeah, sure. I am a physiologist and health coach, um, and I specialize generally in kind of anything health-related, really kind of delving into the psychology behind uh, particular behavior change, um, but looking forward to talking about, about a few different bits today. Perfect. Okay, so um, on this episode number 13, we're going to delve into obviously a bit more sports psychology, which is why we've got Simon on, on hand. We're going to be talking about um, self-confidence, self-doubt and uh, nervousness, specifically on like race days um, and how this can impact performance on race days and in training and things like that. So first of all, a um, bit of an intro uh just kind of explaining a little bit about what self-confidence is um for many athletes an explanation of the concept of self-confidence is hardly necessary as they know intuitively what it is um self-confidence is so palpable in some athletes that you can almost reach out and touch it their confidence is reflected in everything they say and do um, in what they wear and how they look. Uh, we all have seen those ex extra, extra confident individuals um, on race days and in competition. Self-confidence is commonly defined as the sureness of feeling that you are equal to a task at hand. So this sureness is characterized by absolute belief in ability. You may, may well know someone who whose self-belief has this kind of unshakable quality and whose ego resists even the biggest setbacks. Um, confidence is related to personality and those who execute self-confidence across a range of contexts. So say at work, um, socially and in their sport and is said to be high in trait confidence. However, Confidence can also be very specific to a particular situation, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in this podcast, with reference to a set of circumstances, which in, sorry, in which case is known as a, a state confidence or self-efficacy. So when you perform any skill successfully, you will generate confidence and be willing to attempt something slightly more difficult. Um, so Simon, um, with regards to uh, self-confidence, can you give us a little bit of an insight in terms of kind of the, the theoretical approaches to it and the, and the theory behind it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the, I'm going to throw another bit of terminology in at this stage, um, which is self-efficacy, which is slightly different in some ways to self-confidence because it refers to your confidence in a particular situation. So it's environment specific. So that's a really important idea specific within sports psychology. It's something I use also within my coaching practice, but actually when you look at, for example, a race scenario, that's, that's very specific. And uh, we want to really look at as a sports psychologist, you would want to look at how you can increase uh, an athlete's confidence specifically in that scenario. So uh, this theory was developed by uh, someone called Albert Bandura. And when he developed the theory, um, he essentially came up with four determinants of self-efficacy. 
So just to really quickly run through those, we've got our performance outcomes. So if we've performed really well in a race environment previously, that's going to increase our future self-efficacy in that specific environment. Um, we've got vicarious experiences. So by watching people around us, we can learn and we can become more or less confident. So if there's someone else who you perceive to be really good in a race, that might lower your confidence. But at the same time, if you see someone doing something that you thought may not have been possible, then that might increase your confidence levels. Mm. We've, we've, all got been, we've all been there when, uh, when we've turned up to a race and uh, seen somebody who we think is far far more superior to us and uh you know suddenly you know you you think oh i'm gonna do really well in this race and then and then suddenly you know your, your confidence might be knocked because you you don't not going to do as well as you may think you do and uh, i guess that's that's touching on that kind of thing yeah absolutely yeah and we, we, as i say which is why this theory is quite quite well utilized within sports psychology mm. because it does kind of capture um the whole the whole part of competition really you know it, it's it's taking into account the fact that as you say there you know there are other people within a competition it's not unless you're doing things something like a time trial for example um there generally are other people that you're against so it the, the theory does definitely appreciate that absolutely um yeah there's a, another one of those determinants is kind of verbal persuasion so um for those of you who are coached by tom i'm sure he uh, encourages you uh, plentifully when you're going into these events and that can actually be super super helpful in terms of our uh, our confidence levels so actually having people there to to support um, and and essentially egg us on and the, the final one is is our physiological feedback so how we perceive how our body's reacting to a certain scenario can be really, really important. So it may be, for example, that you're at the start line of a race, your heart rate's increased. If you're the kind of person who's going to think about the fact that your heart rate's increasing and say, oh my goodness, my body's getting stressed, that's a really bad sign. Mm -hmm. That's a very different um, effect that's going to have on your confidence levels compared to someone who sees that as, well, actually, my heart rate's increasing to get more oxygen around my body. Uh, and therefore because of this i'm going to perform better and suddenly that's you've got a really a, good point increase. that's a really good point i've been sat on the start line before uh many a times you know completely uh not moving at all and you know i've been i've been not moving for a good five minutes after my warm-up and my heart rate's at like 130 140 beats a minute um and you know the amount of people who i hear say that and they say oh you know my heart rate's real up already or i must be unfit blah 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 and yeah, you, you're exactly right. It's it's interpreting those those sensations as positive things and knowing that your body is, you know, it's it's in a ready state. I think I'd be more worried if my heart rate was low on in those scenarios because um, it would be telling you that, you know, you're not angst up, you're not ready and, and you're you're not prepared for what's to come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, overall, that you know, that is that is the main theory. I mean, there's, there's other things we'll probably get into as we as we go through. But in terms of um, you know, how do we use this information? I think we've already spoken through a few ways um, that that you would use this, and 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 obviously Tom being the the, the racing expert, um, really useful to get his kind of take on on that as well. Um, Tom, I don't know if you've got any other thoughts on any of those kind of four determinants and, and how you might how we might kind of look to use these in a in a racing scenario yeah so i mean just uh i guess it'd be good to try and apply this to a certain um 
example, I guess. Um, and, and I thought I'd, I'd kind of pipe in here and, and set, um, you know, a fairly relatable example that I'm sure a lot of people could kind of, um, pipe in on and, and, and understand, um, so let's just talk about, um, you know, a fairly big race in the calendar. Um, let's just say, um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll apply it to myself. Let's just say it's um, the first round of the mountain bike national race, um, national series. And you turn up to the race and, and, you know, weeks before you've been a bit anxious, you've been um, thinking about it and, you know, you're, you're building more and more pressure and nervousness, thinking about your results. Training might be going well, but also, you know, everybody else's training is going well. And you turn up to the race. Now, um, often at the start of the race, you quite often don't know exactly who's going to be there. You know, some, some races um, may enter and they may not turn up. Some races might get a last minute entry. Um, some races may move up or down a category depending on how they're doing in the season. So although you can often pre-predict who's going to be there, you don't know for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I am one, you know, a lot of the time for a lot of kind of pre-race nerves and, and you turn up and, you know, you go into the toilet many times and, uh, and yeah, you, you, you feel very, you feel very stressed in the morning. Um, but I've personally learned how to deal with that, um, which we'll go through, uh, later in this podcast. Um, but yeah, you sign on and you might see some names that are, you know, you think are, potentially a lot better riders than you and and even you know it puts more pressure on you and you think oh no I'm not going to do as well as I'd, I'd maybe hoped and and so on so are there, are there certain things Simon that we could maybe do um so we if we start with pre-event um mm -hmm. you know the week leading up to it are there certain things we could maybe do um to help ourselves before the event even happens yeah, absolutely. I think so. And in terms of, I think when we start to talk about um, all these terms of self-confidence and self-efficacy, and we could throw in self-esteem as well, there's all these kind of different terms. One important thing to for us to be aware of before we start to mm. think about interventions is how much of this is actually um, kind of part of our personality. I know you kind of mentioned that earlier on mm. and the, there's uh, the terminology that I would use for this is, is kind of trait versus state anxiety. Okay. And we, and we've got the idea of, of some, you know, some people find that actually as part of their inherent personality, they're just quite, you know, some people can, can generally just be quite nervous and, and anxious anyway. Whereas other people might find that in that, you know, in the race scenario, they can get a little bit stressed, but generally they're quite, quite relaxed so um that that's maybe something where actually when you start to look at the pre-race stuff it's probably a lot of it is actually targeting perhaps um underlying beliefs underlying assumptions underlying attitudes towards ourself mm. um whereas the the stuff that we would do you know just before the race would be addressing those acute increases in 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 you know stress and, and all and all that sort of thing so um, I just thought that was kind of a, a useful thing to, to throw in there. Um, mm. And again, Todd, I don't know if you've got any other kind of thoughts on that from a, either a personal perspective or anything you've seen with athletes. Yeah, I think it's just, um, I think it, it's important to understand that 
a lot of these kind of pre-race nerves and pre-race jitters are are completely normal things aren't they you know um i think uh i mean from a personal perspective you know i would consider myself as quite a relaxed person um when it comes to you know normal daily habits normal daily lives um but again when it comes to um laying on the pressure with regards to when i need know i want to perform and when i need to perform um even though in the grand con- context of life you know it's probably fairly insignificant one one race you know it's amazing how much pressure you can put on yourself and how much how much your you can change as a person uh, when you when you've got that added pressure um yeah. as you said everybody is different and everybody takes different uh different kind of approaches to it but i think there's um it's quite important to note that there's definitely a, a happy medium, isn't there? Um, and we were talking about little, this a little bit before the podcast in that, um, you know, there's this kind of inverted U with regards to stress and um, that can kind of follow on with regards to confidence because if you are, you know, not getting any nerves and any uh, kind of pre-race uh, nerves whatsoever then it's probably not going to be the best of things with regards to your performance but equally if you are way 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 too anxious and you are absolutely stressed and you can't control it then obviously that's going to be a negative thing mm. yeah 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 absolutely this is it and and as you you know kind of linking that in uh, you know you're going to tend to find that if you're generally just more of a stressed person in day-to-day life you're much more likely to push over into that unhelpful level of stress um specifically in in a very stressful scenario and you know whether it's racing or you know you could probably say the same i don't know someone who was gonna perform a concert in front of loads of people or someone who's doing it you know i've worked with people before for example who who do talks at work and they just get really stressed every time they're doing a presentation um so you could you know i know we're talking about cycling here but actually you know it, it really kind of spills over into into other areas um absolutely I've got, I'm, sorry, I've got, uh, yeah, just on the, on that, I've got, um, of, of all my clients, you know, uh, the vast majority of those clients do race. And what I will say to all the listeners here is there is, um, many a different, uh, variants in terms of how those people approach races, you know, and, and, uh, some of them, you know, I've got examples of people who will turn up for a race and, I've seen them like unable to control themselves. They're genuinely going to the toilet for a number two, like multiple yeah. times because they've been, because they've been overstressed. And, you know, when I, when I, it, it sounds really daft, but sometimes when you uh, ask them, you know, what are you anxious about and what are you nervous about, what are you stressed about? And that simple question, they can't actually answer. They can't, they can't, um, they can't actually put it into words in terms of what is creating the, these, this nervousness and this, um, this lack of, cause it, cause it spills into lack of confidence in your ability to some extent, I think as well. Um, and, and this, this pressure that they're putting on themselves. Um, but then equally I've got athletes who come into a race with absolutely no stress whatsoever. And then, uh, and you know, it actually does take a little bit of, me on the other end of the spectrum to say things like okay well what are we coming here for you know what is your goals what are you actually wanting to achieve from this race and then it only takes that amount of reflection for them to think okay well 
yeah, actually, this is quite a big deal. I do need to do this. I need to be ready for this. And then they start to get a little bit, bit of this nervousness um, going into the event. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's interesting. And um, I, I wonder, I mean, as you, as you were talking there, um, it, it kind of reminded me of, of uh, the idea of, our cognitive patterns and how they will affect how we how we perform and how we think about things and that there's there's various kind of thinking errors as they are termed uh, or cognitive distortions where we we are basically thinking in a certain way which is unhelpful for us so Mm. in the scenario you were just describing it may be that we're catastrophizing we're you know we're and, and essentially in doing that we're making something out to be you know way worse than it is you know if i don't perform in this race it will be the worst thing ever whereas you know it, it, it you know for, for me if i was speaking to someone or i had a, a client who was coming and saying you know i just can't perform because i i, I feel like you know it's just gonna be the worst thing ever if i don't do this and i don't come first or whatever really kind of putting that into context and and, and addressing those thinking errors can be super useful um i mean other kind of thinking errors kind of that kind of all or nothing black and white thinking, you know, um, if this doesn't happen, then, 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 then that's it sort of thing. Um, there's loads and loads of different kind of ones that, that, that you would look at. And, and, but essentially a lot of it again, around, around races is that, that kind of uh, inability to maybe see outside of, of what's going on at that particular mm-hmm. moment. And, and again, you know, relating that back to, uh, kind of personalities if you're the kind of person who kind of really catastrophizes everything on a day-to-day basis the way to firstly address your race performance would be actually just to address that outside of the race and look at okay um this is something that i'm thinking so you know i don't know you you <laughs> will go with, let's say you spill some milk on the floor <laughs> don't cry over spilled milk um you know, some people would say that, yeah, oh, it's the worst thing ever. I've wasted all this you know, milk or whatever it is. Mm. Whereas, whereas actually, if you were to think of that in a, in a more helpful way and say, okay, well, it is frustrating. However, it's not the worst thing ever. No. Suddenly no. that's, you know, that's a completely different way of thinking and more useful way of thinking. Yeah. That sounds very much like my wife actually is. <laughs> <laughs> I won't it's let, nice. I won't uh, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> taking something that's insignificant and blowing it out of proportion uh it's yeah. uh, something that um is is a trait of us <laughs> but exactly. um yeah it's um no it's it's quite uh it's quite a a good thing is that and and to be honest as well i'm guilty of it in in race scenarios um so as you were talking there the amount of times like for example there is a um a, a local crit a uh, local criterium race that I used to do um, a couple of years ago. Obviously we haven't been racing due to coronavirus, but um, year before last did this criterium race and um, the first race of the season, I won it and the, that was absolutely great. And I took loads of positivity from that, but it sounds really daft every week that I won- went there I wanted to win that race or at least podium that race. And I wasn't, I genuinely wasn't happy unless I did that. Now, um, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I was, I was looking for this kind of overall series win or this overall series result. But um, I think cycling is, um, um, I've heard, you know, 
we go in there with a with a specific goal in our minds and if we don't achieve that exact goal it's very easy to look back on it and be very disappointed with that so you get you you put extra pressure on yourself um and and this can be applied to many different scenarios like i'm just thinking for example time trialists you know uh, time trialing you go out there on a 10 mile time trial you've got you know you've got a pb in mind whether that's based on time time or whether that's based on power and if these time trialists don't beat their pb then they are absolutely gutted so it's this you know as you said it's this all or nothing approach to racing mm. but there's there's much much more to it than that there's there's the the training benefit associated with the race there is all of the social interaction involved with the race there is all of the other things that go on during the race and and being happy with the results um depending on what you've got um and i think i i assume that's kind of what you're what you're suggesting there yeah essentially i mean you, you know you could even kind of start to use the term perfectionism in some ways because again you know i, I know for, for for you tom a lot of the people that you're you're coaching it may be the case that they um are you know of a of a high level uh, cycling but mm. actually you know if they went and did a race and didn't perform quite as well for them it's not necessarily going to be the end of the world but mm. it's really really easy to adopt that mindset of you know oh well i put so much effort into this and if i don't win then then that's really the worst thing in the world yeah. and the interesting thing about that is if you think like that you're you're likely to push yourself into a zone where you're overstressed Mm. you're over anxious and therefore you're not going to perform your best mm. and therefore you don't and therefore you get more and, and therefore you know think back to the self-efficacy theory we we're talking about at the beginning you've then therefore not performed well in one race and then that mm. sets you up for having low self-efficacy in your next race because you haven't performed very well mm. and somehow we've got a you know athletes have to break this loop whereby they say you know it's actually just because i'm getting overly anxious or overly stressed and i'm i'm overemphasizing the what's going to happen if i don't perform well here yeah absolutely it's a really hard balance if it, it yeah for sure it is and i actually feel like as i'm talking to you i'm having my own little counseling thing here <laughs> because <laughs> because the, honestly i can relate to that so much like the amount of races i've gone in into and for example i might have raced really really well i might have um, being so happy with my fitness, so happy that I was able to respond to certain moves, but I just missed that that crucial move, which which was unpredictable and wasn't my fault. Something something just happened, and um, I've been so pissed off with myself. Like I've been mm. I've been beating myself up about it, and I haven't been able to sleep very well that evening because I've just been oh, you know I, I can't do it, can't do it, and and all this self doubt. Um, but in you know. Th these things happen in races and some things you can't control and mm. it's about uh looking at the bigger picture and being happy with uh certain performances even though the the results might not always stack up um mm. so with regards to practical examples then uh you know on how we can how we can uh are we are we at a stage where we can talk about how we can maybe um pre-event start to um uh, map, like help ourselves out a little bit here um yeah so yeah, i think pre-event kind of uh solutions on on helping this general nervousness and performance anxiety yeah yeah absolutely yeah let's let uh, Tom, I don't, yeah go on i'll let you uh yeah you. 
yeah so um starting off then like as i I kind of touched on earlier um i think the first most important thing is to recognize that these pre-race jitters are normal um you know to accept them as as a thing that is going to happen rather than try and fight them off um this nervous energy that you feel you know this um this nervousness so um don't misinterpret it by thinking that it is fear um you know that that kind of adrenaline rush that you feel is a normal thing to to happen and is part of your body's kind of natural preparation for the competition um you know it's it's important i think to kind of notice that it's happening um but don't focus on it don't kind of dwell on the fact that oh my goodness you know as you said you know when you're on the start line and things like that you know don't dwell on it thinking oh my goodness my heart rate is going through the roof you know it's uh what's going to happen because i've heard that before um because because it, it, if anything it's 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 a positive thing that that should be happening i guess um the the next point as well which i'd probably suggest is that um it's it's important to prepare yourself both mentally and physically um and obviously feel free to chip in at any point simon here um it's important i think um to and it's something that i use a hell of a lot actually uh with regards to important races is to um arrive to the event with plenty of time and i actually personally and i do advocate this for some of my clients i actually personally make a little um what do you call it like a little time map and with time stamps on um so for example if my race starts at 3 p.m um i will uh make like time it back and say okay well i need to arrive at the race at this time i need to take my um have my last pre-race meal at this time so i'm almost like taking as much control of what i can as as possible um so going through my natural warrant protocol knowing that um there's certain things that i do in that warrant, warrant protocol which need to kind of help me physically prepare the best um making sure that i know the course the best i can uh, making sure that I'm taking all the appropriate clothing, things like that, and just taking control of as many things that I can control in that environment. I, I'd assume you'd agree that that takes as little bit let more stress off the off the scenario. Would you say, Simon? Yeah, absolutely, and I think that kind of ties in in some ways with. Uh, I know a lot of athletes will have kind of rituals beforehand, so in a sense, that's one of yours isn't it that you have this yeah. time map and that you have this structured approach and and, and you, you probably feel when you do that that it helps to control any sort mm. of nervousness because you're like well i've got everything underhand and i know it was a few years ago i remember it must be a lot of years ago actually when david beckham was playing football and he he was doing an interview and he was saying that he always has to adjust his shoe so that it's straight um, um yeah yeah do you, I don't remember that, it's, but these kind of like little rituals, I guess, you know, I, I guess as long as it's not becoming something that, that that's kind of, again, catastrophizing, yeah. if I don't do this, I'm bound to lose, then um, sometimes, you know, people can find those helpful and, mm. and, and especially if they're something that's actually adding to the preparation element, like the, you know, what you just mentioned, yeah. then, um, something worth considering uh, yeah. in terms of if you already have that. I think there'll be some listeners which are quite interested in what I mean by that. So I'll just go over it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So if, um, 
So basically, I before every race that I do, um, I literally just get. I mean, I've made a bit of a, <laughs> I've made a bit of a, um, a specific document online which I print out uh, perfectly from now. But what I used to do is get a little bit of scrap piece of paper, um, and I and I draw a kind of horizontal horizontal line down this paper with a start so, sorry the end the end of this line is the start of the race so that is the race time so let's say that's 3 p.m and then i'll basically think from waking up that day till that race start what are the key time stamps which i need to do to make sure that i'm in the best position possible for that race so things to consider is like okay well if the race is at three o'clock um do i need so for example a mountain bike race you normally have to be at the starting pen 15 minutes before so i put 3 p.m race 2:45 be at start pen so what does that mean in terms of when i need to start my warm-up that means that i need to start my warm-up if it's a 30 minute warm-up at 2:15. so i write that down so i put 2:15 and then the warm-up um if i need to start my warm-up at that at that time when do i have my um energy gel for example okay well i'll take it a, a certain time when do i have my brie juice shot i mean you can you can go as you know as um particular as you like with certain things but one thing to consider which is what you just flagged up is although it's very helpful to have these things do not be prepared to adjust certain things <laughs> if they come up so um the what's important the reason i do that is at events it's very easy to start talking to people or um you know get distracted by certain things and then completely miss a warm-up and then you're extra stressed and then you you know you can you feel like you're not going to perform well but um you you're allowed to allow a little bit of flexibility in certain things which are less significant so you kind of you know you might have four or five key things for example starting a warm protocol at the right time for example eating your last meal at the right time for example arriving at the event at the right time and signing on but then there's other things which are maybe less significant that you might want to put on there which it doesn't matter if there's a bit of flexibility in there you know it's the kind of worry about the major factors um but then don't be don't be too concerned about the minor factors um but basically just take control of, as much as you can um one thing that um another thing that I'd, i i would suggest i use personally um and these are just examples using from my own racing and and things that i've heard from others is to actually visualize the racing a little bit um so i don't know if you've kind of done much research on visualization simon but I've, i have heard that it does some you know it can really really um positively impact performance yeah uh, absolutely it's the, the yeah it's, it's one of those things where the, yeah there is, there is a you know, good bit of research on it and it's something i've used myself uh, with clients um also in a again a performance setting uh, that may be like a presentation or something if you can imagine yourself in that scenario and imagine yourself performing well in that scenario then that can be really useful because essentially what you're doing again coming back to the the self-efficacy theory you're imagining yourself mastering you're imagining yourself having a positive outcome uh, and if you can imagine yourself doing it that can be super helpful for you, therefore increasing your confidence that you will actually then be able to execute it. Mm. 
so yeah if it's if it's a road race you might kind of you know close your eyes and visualize yourself um pedaling completely you know 100 efficiently using all the right muscles all that sort of stuff if it's mountain biking you, you know you might be looking at getting a map of the course and kind of uh thinking about the turns and how you're going to take them and and, and, and your position you know your positioning and all that sort of stuff Another helpful way which I've used this with people before is actually visualizing things going wrong, but visualizing you coping with that because that again that if you're the kind of person who gets really stressed about the idea that oh well if this happens, it will be the worst thing ever then it can be useful to to imagine you know let's say you're in a race and uh you know there's there's uh, i know you're starting to come away from from the leading pack for example you know um how would you then deal with that situation what are you going to do to rectify that um again that's just another way of using this kind of imagery visual visualization uh, technique absolutely so um what i do personally as you just suggested really is i I always, um, so taking as an example, a mountain bike race, um, often for the national mountain bike series, you can actually, um, practice the course. You can practice the course on the Saturday. Um, and what I often do is I would ride the course on the Saturday, do a few laps, and then I would kind of, you know, uh, get that image ingrained in my brain. Um, when I went to bed that Saturday evening before the Sunday race, I would specifically visualize myself riding that course really efficiently, hitting all the climbs hard, doing the descents really efficiently, um, and essentially just, like you say, mastering that course as best as I can. Um, I would even go to the extent of kind of visualizing my race start, visualizing me getting the whole shot, visualize me going through the first turn really smooth, and you know, you kind of know in the back of your mind that it's not going to work like that. It's it, there is very likely going to be um, things which hiccup that performance ever so slightly, or things which don't go exactly to how you imagine them. But we know that this there's this positive relationship. Um, so in the days leading up to the event, just allow for a few minutes to practice visualization uh, during this time. Um, you mentally rehearse, kind of showing yourself doing things right using breathing techniques if you if you feel feel like those those help you know closing your eyes and using mental imagery to visualize yourself performing well um don't let any kind of negative sensations come into the mind just use positive self-talk um and and this can really change your attitude um so yeah i mean while athletes like myself need to be flexible enough to react to, to the environment that they're placed in so you know, things do happen in races that we can't control and we need to re react to them. Um, you should enter the event with kind of a general strategy on how you want to race. So, for example, a crit race, you know, a criterion race, they are very unpredictable. You have no idea what's going to happen until it, it, until it happens, but you can still have a strategy to go in with that race. Um, and that can be a very, very simple strategy. You know, you could it doesn't have to be too complex. You don't have to have an exact uh, scenario that you want to follow. Um, but if you're going in with that strategy, I personally think it's always going to help. Um, but just being mindful that you need to be able to adapt to that very suddenly if needs be. Um, would you say, so there's three different pre-event solutions that I would kind of, or strategies that I would, employ is there anything else that i haven't touched on 
uh, you know, we're talking about before before the race day happens, Simon. No, I was I was going to uh, touch on on the deep breathing, but you, you covered that, and I think that's a really useful technique physiologically. It, it's going to uh, you know reduce breathing rate. It's going to reduce heart rate. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good kind of strategy, and, and obviously kind of in the long term, um, things like mindfulness training. Uh, I guess that would be something that you might do just before a race, um, mm-hmm. or it could be just something you do long term to reduce your kind of anxieties then when you go into that race environment so that's that's the only other thing i was kind of gonna gonna try and chip in with yeah no perfect so event day so event day things then um so in terms of what we need to be considering on race day to to help ourselves and and manage performance anxiety the best we can um so first things first i think um I would say focusing on the task in hand rather than necessarily the outcome. I made a little, a few little notes before this podcast and that's something that I've suggested. So um, it's very easy to think going into a race. It's very easy to think, um, you know, far into the event, thinking about the finish or what might happen. Um, But if you find yourself thinking negative thoughts or negative self-talk, um, I think best thing to do, in my opinion, is just to stop and focus on things like things that you can control, things like your breathing. Um, and this will automatically pull you back into kind of the present moment. And and would you agree that, you know, this this kind of um, this seesaw, this between the present and the, the kind of future is is quite an important thing to grasp? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, mindfulness has had a lot of research kind of thrown into it in the last sort of 10 15 years um and been utilized a lot within within different environments but yeah essentially this idea of kind of you know be, being present is uh, something that translates really well to to racing because you know again if you're particularly with something like mountain bike racing you know mm. you're gonna need to be in the moment that entire time and uh you know we, we could go off on a conversation about things like flow and all, and all that sort of stuff where you know people do kind of really get into the moment and, and kind of stay there um mm. but yeah in terms of that kind of pre-race um what you just mentioned about a lot of the anxieties that you're going to build up you, you don't tend to get anxious about what's happening right there and then mm. you tend to get anxious about well, what if this what could happen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in that sense, on a, on a kind of very basic level, it, it follows there for that. If you are able to kind of really ground yourself and yeah, just you know, something simple. I mean, we again, the distinctions between mindfulness training and just deep breathing, we could we could talk about that um, for, for a long time. But essentially, mm-hmm. you know, something like focusing on anything's happening in the moment could it could be your breathing it could be uh you, you know your feet on the floor it could be anything like that um those those can be it can be a useful technique and it's something that um if you're interested in doing that you might want to hone it over a long period of time because it will therefore make you kind of better at doing it in those specific scenarios it's it's you know it's like training anything um you know you wouldn't go into a into a cycling race without having ever having cycled so if you are going to look to use mindfulness um to to sort of reduce stress before a race then yeah have a have a go at doing it outside of that as well mm. simon i just when we've been talking just now i've been thinking a little bit about this and uh one thing that 
uh, constantly comes up in in conversation with other other people and and one thing that i've found myself as well is that those races that i go into with a completely relaxed environment like relaxed mindset almost like almost like i don't care about the outcome i mm-hmm. seem to i seem to physically perform better mm-hmm. is there anything going on there so like so those for example those races where i know that I really want to perform well. I really want to, you know, I, I get um, really want to commit to it. And um, I end up getting caught up in more negative thoughts um, and um, find that I suddenly expect the worst, you know, but um, if I begin to race, like I don't care about the outcome, um, I just find like I relax a little bit more. Uh, is that is there something going on there or is that just um is is that a fair is that a fairly normal thing yeah it's i guess it's kind of like a psychological stiffening up isn't it like it's everything becomes quite tense and i mean again you know if you if you were to kind of take this out of cycling just for a second and think about mm. you know something that everyone w- will have likely experienced is something like a job interview whereby you're going to experience the same sort of thing where if you go into that interview trying to remember a hundred things of how you would answer all these different questions and you kind of, um, you know, you're really stressed and there's so much at stake. Like if you don't get this Mm. job, then, you know, you can't pay the bills and like all this uh, kind of psychological pressure builds up. Um, You know, we know that that is the thing which affects, you know, significantly impacts on your performance. And it goes back to that, that inverted you whereby we've got um, optimal performance in this middle level of of kind of emotional arousal but either end actually your performance decreases um so i, I guess yeah w- w- you know the, the the easiest explanation that, that to to kind of uh, explain what you're saying there is that you you know it's just pushed over into that um side of things where your performance has has dipped because it's mm. you know you've become too too stressed and you've put too much at stake and, and perhaps linking it back to that kind of catastrophization side of things start mm. to think more in the way of rather than um that kind of helpful way of thinking and saying okay it'd be really great if i won this race but if i don't it's not the end of the world suddenly that thinking might flip and you might start to think things like it, it, it really will be the worst thing ever if i don't win this race and suddenly mm. that that isn't that is flipped into an unhelpful way of thinking which mm. is going to reduce your ability to then be relaxed and therefore perform absolutely i think um i'm really bad on putting a lot of pressure on myself as I, i've kind of explained before and uh i think as well you know growing up as a growing growing up as a, a kid and and through my teen years the more research i did about kind of uh, performance enhancement and the right things to do the day before a race, the more I wanted to make sure that I wasn't allowing myself any excuses. So I I wanted to turn up on a race day, knowing that I did absolutely every single thing, right. You know, the day before with regards to eating the right things and everything like that. And it's almost like there's so many things that you control control that you're giving yourself too much overloading of stress um and one thing that i was guilty of before is you know uh giving myself way too much this stress thinking too much about these insignificant things which you know in the grand scheme of things don't have too much of an impact but actually the the negativity 
sorry, the what am I trying to say here? The the extra stress that I'm giving myself by thinking about all these influencing factors actually way outweighs all the positive things that I'm getting out of these factors, if you know what I mean. So, for example, you know, I, I as a kid, I, I knew like what worked best for me as like a, um, the t- the evening meal that I should be having the day before a race and then the breakfast I should be having. So I would make sure that I buy in exactly the right ingredients and, and have exactly this right meal. Whereas actually, and, and also doing like a perfect pre-race ride the day before on the turbo train. Now, actually those days when I go into the race where, yeah, I'm eating the certain foods which I should stay away from and the certain foods which I should maybe, maybe include. And there's a, a, ter- a certain ride that I should do the day before, which would might include certain things and shouldn't include certain things. But as long as I stay within certain boundaries, that's a lot less stress than trying to hit this exact protocol. Um, so I guess what I mean by that is it's things like, you know, it's not like you should be racing that you don't care about the outcome. It's that you should be racing in a way that, you're controlling the things which are fairly easy to control, but you're going in there with a, as, as relaxed mindset as you can um, to make sure that you're not getting overly, overly anxious about insignificant things, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just so I, yeah, just to, to chip in on that, dude, yeah. I've just, I know before the podcast, when we were just having a brief kind of catch up yeah. about this, we were talking about, you know, can we quantify um, how, uh, how much you know um, stress and that sort of thing will impact our performance and mm. you know our, our kind of consensus between both of us was, was kind of well no not really without delving really really deep into the literature on this uh, there probably are numbers there but um you know maybe a helpful way of viewing this would be to think okay let's say um let's say that having your doing your pre-race ride for the exactly perfect mm. um on, you know the day before on the turbo let's mm. say that gives you a one percent increase in performance mm. let's say that then them having your meal the exact meal at exactly the right time has a, another one percent in improvement in performance yeah. let's say then having this schedule that that right gets everything absolutely perfect but stresses you out quite a lot um that's another one percent improvement but let's say then we've got all these little bits that are going to improve your performance, but let's say then that the stress of doing all that actually dec- decreases your performance by 5%. <laughs> you can, Absolutely. that's a, maybe that's a good way of kind of, and obviously these are completely arbitrary numbers, mm. but maybe that's a good way of viewing it um, in terms of why though doing that isn't always necessarily a good thing. And, and, and most it. of the time, as you've said, Tom, you know, it is a good to have that schedule is a great mm. thing to do, but it's that balance. Yeah, exactly. And I can think of an example right now. One of the best races that I've ever done um, was a day where I'd planned. Um, it's funny. <laughs> and some of my listeners will be will be in shock and awe at this. So it was a big, big race um, on a Sunday. And uh, I'd stayed up uh, near the race so that I didn't have to travel up to the race. It was right up north. And um, now I'd planned. It was the, the race was on the Sunday. On Saturday night... I'd planned to do a, a little dog walk with Becky on the beach, come back home and have like a pre-race meal, which was like um, some some tuna and rice the night before. Now, what happened is we went to the beach. We did this walk. We got caught by the tide times. 
we had to basically run maximally all the way down the beach because we were stuck on the beach due to the cliffs <laughs> for about 20 minutes to make sure we weren't going to get caught caught by the tide. Um, and then we, we got soaking wet through because it started pissing down. And then um, we were so hungry by the time we actually got home that we ended up having fish and chips the night before. <laughs> now, now, with the maximal running and the different meal choice that I chose to have, I probably had one of the best races that I've ever had the night the next day. And I think it was actually just down to, you know, that completely relaxed um, relaxed mindset going into it. I was like, I actually went into that race thinking, oh, I didn't have that perfect pre-race protocol. So I don't know if it's going to work or not. We'll just see what happens. And I just had some really good legs and um, and performed really well. But um, whether, you know, I'm not saying here fish and chips is the perfect pre, pre-race meal. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what I'm saying here is I think, uh, you know, adapting to the scenario, um, going in there with, uh, you know, little stress. And to be fair, I've talked about fish and chips before on the podcast. Fish and chips isn't that bad anyway. So <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on because we're, we're running it. We're running low on time. So we are. Um, the other, the only little thing I'd actually just add on right at the end there from for race day. Uh, and feel free if you've got anything else to add in, Simon, is that just it sounds daft, but you should force a smile because the amount of times I've gone to races and everyone's been proper miserable. And it, you know what? Being miserable at a race and being overly um, serious, for me, just makes everything so much, so much harder when it comes to negativity and um, nervousness and self-doubt. And, and those days that I actually just turn up to a race event and think, right, oh, I know him. I'm going to go and talk to him and have a bit of banter with him and have a laugh. And forcing that kind of positivity and that friendly environment just changes my attitude and actually just makes me much more relaxed um and and i'm sure you can understand this simon and you can back me up here like those days where you're a lot just try and force being a bit more kind of interaction and a bit happier it can really really help your your nervousness yeah, I think of making that making it. We haven't mentioned COVID yet. We've done a whole podcast and not mentioned it, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I mean, you know, I think we're all probably feeling that in some senses. Um, this kind of isolation side of things and you know, social contact is important. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that what you said there probably leads on to, to kind of my last point I would make, which is actually a really good tactic is just distraction. And I think in, in part what you probably did done there tom and, and you'll probably notice this yourself is just going and talking to people you're probably just distracting yourself from from all the stresses and exactly you know, it's, it's such a, a simple but easy technique to just i don't know go on your phone or listen to one of tom's podcasts or something <laughs> um it's you know you're bringing yourself out of that scenario you're not allowing those thoughts to to happen um so yeah that there's that there's my kind of final tip i guess <laughs> that's it so um the other last little thing i wanted to touch on uh it's easy to obviously lead you up to this race but i think it's quite important to just um think about post event salute like things to help so as in things you can do after one event to help you for the next one um 
And I guess we'll just glance over this quickly, but um, from my perspective, it's really important to reflect on the race, kind of um, focus on actions, thoughts and behaviors that helped you perform. Think about the things you did well and and be quite positive with that. Um, But also acknowledge, but quickly dismiss things that hindered your performance. Um, and, and I guess this is the same principle as kind of avoiding an obstacle when driving, you know, you look where you want to go, not where you don't want to go. So you you kind of, when you focus on that pothole, (laughs) this, this fits in well with my crash earlier on the week, um, (laughs) you inevitably hit it. I wasn't actually focused on the pothole by the way. Um, but, um, by focusing on the negative aspects of the event, you will, this will not help you improve in the future. Rather, you should focus on the times when you got it right. Um, you should kind of, um, reflect on these to make sure that you don't do them again. Um, but focus on the positivity, um, focus. uh, This is a form of kind of mental rehearsal, I guess, um, where you practice skills that will be used to the next event. Um, and then obviously, it's an obvious one, obviously fitting in with what I do. Um, you or your coach will design a training program that mimics race-like conditions. So, um, I don't just set training programs, which are, oh yeah, go and do this session. Sometimes I actually talk to the athlete and I'm like, okay, well, today we're going to mimic you doing this race. So not only are we going to make sure that you're starting the race at the same time of day that this race will be but you're also going to have the same meal before you're going to do the same warm protocol before things like that so that you can quite closely um uh mimic those conditions that you'll have in race day Um, and i think that's personally a really really important point um so simon do you have anything else you'd like to go over before we go into the Q&A segment? Because I'm, I'm mindful of time. Yeah, no, no, so, sounds good. Let's uh, let's dive in with that. Perfect. Okay, so um, as always, I put on my Instagram stories um, if you've got any questions. Now, I was hoping that these questions would be related to um, the topic that we had for discussion today and of which most of which are um some of which aren't but that will go through some of them anyway i have got five questions today um which i've picked out as the best questions so we'll rattle through them um if i answer the first one simon and then we'll just take turns cool. um so first question comparing or first statement i guess is more so comparing training numbers to race knowledge what matters in the moment discuss so I guess what this person means is um, you might have certain numbers that you're training with um, and you may even be a bit disheartened that those training numbers are potentially lower than certain people that you're going to be racing with. Um, but the, I guess what we, what, we, what we're saying here is it's very easy to dwell on those numbers um, and it's, it's very easy to feel as those n- numbers aren't as kind of uh, as what you'd expect or aren't there as good as other people's um and this, and therefore this won't make you race very well um believe me this is not the case um so i guess as an example to compare like what, what i would say here is as a coach i am constantly analyzing people's training data so 
I'm always on training peaks and I've got many athletes who are uh, the same performance as me and many athletes who are um, even better performance than me. Um, and the, even these athletes that are showing much, much, much higher training numbers than, than I'd be ever be able to put out, I can still often beat those individuals in races. So I, I guess, I know I appreciate this wasn't necessarily a question, but what I want to kind of highlight from this is that if you are going into a race thinking that your numbers are inferior to those around you, that does not mean that it's going to heavily correlate to racing performance because there is so, so much more to racing performance than just numbers. Um, it's your race knowledge. It's your race craft. It's about following the right moves. It's about the preparation before it. It's about the nervousness and the anxiety going into the race, as we've talked about before. So, um, you know, I, I guess in this day and age, it's very easy for people to look at things like Strava and analyze their competitors' race datas um, and training datas and think that they're not on form with those. But that does not have a, a, um, a direct correlation to racing performance. Um, next question for you, Simon, and this is a proper question here. So is there a sweet spot between being too relaxed on a start line for a race and being too over anxious? Yeah, cool. Good question. I think we have probably spoken about this as we've gone through and a really basic model is the uh, inverted U hypothesis, which basically says that there's this, there is absolutely a sweet spot in the middle where we're, uh, you know, doing all those things that we've spoken about, which is, you know, the heart rate is getting up and it's you know, doing all these things like delivering more oxygen around the body, et cetera. Um, but we're not overly stressed to the point where we're feeling anxious. We're, uh, and therefore decreasing our performance so yeah quite quite a quick answer really but the answer is essentially yes there is this kind of intermediary point at which you will perform better perfect okay question number three um what is the for myself what is the most common mistake that i see in crit racing um so good question i would I'm going to say the most common mistake that I'd say in crit, crit racing at a, at a very, um, in most like two, three, four crits, which I assume is what this guy, and I know this guy who's asked this question is referring to, it would be all to do with positioning um, and specifically positioning yourself too far back in the pack. So um, in crit racing, when you're in the bunch, you are, yes you need to shelter from the wind in certain scenarios but if you are anything further back than the first five or six guys trust me you are having to work a lot harder than the the the, the guys who are towards the front of the pack every time you have to accelerate out of the corner you will be having to put out more power and i've seen i've i can quantitatively explain this like people who are similar kind of body weight to me and I'm in a, in a bunch like third or fourth wheel and competitors who I train are right the way back in the pack um, thinking that they're, you know, uh, conserving energy by drafting. Um, their normalized power is through the roof compared to me because they're having to constantly surge and respond to the pack. Um, the other thing I'd quite say is, is all, as well is that a lot of people don't warm up correctly. 
Um, the shorter the race, the longer the and more intense the warmth needs to be. Um, you know, crits are absolutely full gas from the start, so it's very important to prepare um, to prepare appropriately for that. Um, so they're the kind of two most common mistakes I'd see in crit racing. Um, question number four for you, Simon. What mm -hmm. will ah? This is an interesting one. Okay. Um, I'm interested to know how you answer this one. Go what on. <laughs> what will people think of me if I don't do well? And why do I feel like I want to please people I don't like? Oh wow. That's a <laughs> that's a big question. It is, isn't it? So we, yeah, two parts. So two what, parts, yeah. what will people think of me if I don't do well? What will people think of me if I don't do well? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go straight to the, the thinking errors side of this, which is that essentially that, that, you know, this is part of a catastrophization, isn't it? This is part of a, um, you know, if I don't do well, people will think of me in, in a certain way. Um, so we're kind of, we're, we're, uh, we're fortune telling, we're, we're mm. suggesting that we kind of know maybe what other people will think if we if, if something happens. So I, I guess on a, on a very individual, obviously I don't know the person who's asked this question. Mm. On an individual level, I don't know the answer to that question. On a very, very general level across people, mm. um, it is absolutely very unlikely that, that, that you know, anyone's going to think anything different because you don't win a race mm. and any thoughts that... Um, would be would be kind of different to that are very likely to be following that negative and that unhelpful line of thinking um because again we've talked a lot about kind of the pressure we put on ourselves and that's just another way in which you're going to have an increase in in your pressure levels if you think that you're going to disappoint someone else absolutely i think it's um to be honest, I, I can understand where this individual is coming from without a doubt. You know, it's very easy to um, think that you're always being watched by certain people. And, you know, especially with things like social media at the minute, you know, you, you're it's easy to go into races. And as, I mean, you know, I'm I'm very bad for it in my environment because um, often my performance in races and my business kind of go hand in hand and yeah. i don't want to be turning up to races in uh you know in um and performing negatively because i think that people will look at me and think oh you know why is he performing really bad oh why would i want to be coached by him and mm -hmm. to be honest you know i'm opening up here a little bit that is what really affects me in a, my mental state going to races because if i perform um incorrectly even though I might have raced well, I think that people will look at me in that way. Um, so, um, but it's kind of one of those things that you've kind of got to take a step back, like you say, and, and think, okay, well, um, people are more concerned with what they're doing. People are more concerned with what they're trying to achieve in a race, not what other people are trying to achieve in a race. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, no, that, that was a good answer there for sure. Cool. Um, the second part yeah the second part to be honest i remember when i wrote this down from uh some questions that people have asked that was actually two two different questions from two different people but mm. i merged them um right. but the second part to that question was 
why do I feel like I want to please people I don't like? Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I was I was actually talking to a friend the other day about this. Um, and, and it's a really interesting phenomenon. And, and I, yeah, I guess I, I don't have the answer to that other than, uh, you know, again, we're social animals, aren't we? And, and uh, at the end of the day, we, we, we want to be seen to be performing well. And, and the context mm. I was talking about, it was actually in terms of sports performance. And um, should you be doing something if your main motivation is to please others? And, and you know, let's, we, we, can, we can talk about cycling with this and we can say, you know, the, the, perhaps at some point people have kind of gone, actually, I don't know if I'm enjoying this anymore. Um, or whether I'm doing it just because I feel like I have to, because other people, you know, maybe all my friends do it or whatever. I, you know, I'll, 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 I'll be honest here. I was talking about this in this context of actually about rock climbing. So, you know, it says you can imagine with rock climbing, there's, there's a certain element of risk involved when you're going for a particular jump up to a, you know, to hold on something and you might fall or whatever. And, you know, are you, are you doing that for you, for your own reasons? And, and we're kind of talking about, is it better does it feel better if you do that in front of a few people? And and I think mm. the answer is yes. So it's a really interesting phenomenon and, and I don't have all the answers. And, uh, but I guess all, all, all I can say is that, you know, we absolutely are social animals and we look yeah. for social cues. Gratification. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's, you're like, um, you'd, it's almost like you're trying to prove a point sometimes. I think, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, oh, this guy doesn't like me, so I'm going to go out and win this race to try and show him. You know, it's that kind of attitude. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, no, it's not a good one to have. So last question for me. Um, can road racing learn a thing or two from the chill atmosphere at mountain bike races? <laughs> and I'm glad this guy asked this because it's something I wanted to just really briefly talk about anyway. Um, yes, for sure. I think it would appear... People are much more full of themselves at road races, in my honest opinion. Um, everyone thinks that they are their next look. A lot of people, I won't, I won't kind of uh, put everybody into a box here, but a lot of people think that they are the next kind of local hero. Um, and 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 they and at road races and crit races, often people like to keep the cards on the chest and not show much emotion. Not not interact with many people whereas if you go to a cyclocross race or a mountain bike race um or a few other different disciplines often people are a lot more willing to just to have a bit of banter and open up and talk about how rubbish they've been riding and uh you know how this guy is likely gonna beat this guy and and have a, a bit more camaraderie involved and going back to you know the nervousness at bike races I always feel a lot more nervous at, at road racing and crit racing because people are like that. Um, I, I wish there was a bit more of a chilled atmosphere at road races. But one thing I will say, though, that on the other side of that to support road racing is that when I first got into road racing, when I was like 16, 17, I did think that everybody was really, really closed and, and um, too serious. But now that I've become more friendly with a lot more individuals at road racing and i've learned to understand their personalities and got a, you know a few more friends in in that uh, environment i've actually realized that it is a lot more friendly than i first thought but i think as a um, a lot of the time as a young kid going into road racing where you don't have many contacts in that environment it's very easy to think oh no one's talking to me no everyone's real serious 
but actually it's just like sometimes it's a little bit of um apprehension of those new people that are coming in not knowing what they're going to be like <laughs> but actually when you get to know people everyone's kind of got yeah you know certain friend friendly zones that they talk within um and there's always that camaraderie but i do agree with this guy um i think road racing could le- learn a thing or two from the chill atmosphere at mountain bike races for sure um Simon, I think we're at a stage where we should probably wrap that up. Um, mm. I think we've covered a, a, a good spectrum there of, of everything that I wanted to cover. Um, and um, please, again, if anybody's been listening to this podcast and has any questions for me or Simon with relation to this topic, if everyone thinks, oh, I know that I'm not very good at dealing with that type of thing, I'm sure, Simon. This is this is basically, you know, uh, very much the type of thing that you could you can help with um, in in some of your consultations. So, um, I'll put Simon's email address on this podcast notes. Um, and Simon, I'm sure you'd be happy to respond to any questions people may have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and again, like if you, if this if you feel as an individual like um, this side of things is something that's hampering your physical performance then you can get in touch with either of us and we can maybe have a conversation a little bit about that and um and and try and help you out a little bit because it's amazing how much these psychological factors and these performance anxieties and this lack of self-confidence um or too much self-confidence can have a negative impact on your performance um but uh but yeah let's wrap it up there simon uh thank you very much for coming on the podcast and no, no doubt we'll have you on again because I do feel like all of your podcasts are very insightful and I do have some really good feedback from them. But, um, but until next time, thank you very much for listening and see you again next time.